to do what's right. Okay, have your Bibles tonight. Uh, Exodus. Now, this is a great passage of Scripture. We're going to learn a couple lessons in this passage. And we're going we're to take your Bible and turn to uh, Exodus 17. And that's probably on the screen. But this is not on the screen. I'm looking so forward to the new church where I can see in the back what's on the screen. Right now, that's the first time I remember looking back and seeing the screen in, what, two years? Uh, I just don't normally look back um, because I'm focused on what I'm trying to do. Turn your Bible, turn to James chapter 1. Keep your finger in Exodus, but turn to James. I want you to see the principle we're going to learn tonight expressed. James chapter 1. Notice if you would, James chapter 1 verse 2. Follow with me. My brethren, speaking of those who know the Lord or those who are God's people, count it all joy. I have, I'm not quite here yet. I'm working at it. When you fall into divers temptations. When you fall into temptations, count it joy. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. In other words, he faces temptation, a lustfulness, a covetousness, a, a temptation to be bitter, a temptation to pay somebody back. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. He carries the weight of the herd of the burden and walks right on and doesn't let it get to him. And notice... For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So the crown of life is one of the five crowns that we can win. And it's specifically for saying no to temptation. Now, take just a minute. Turn back to Exodus, if you would. Chapter 17. Notice. Verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. Now, that's not a, a bad place. It's just the name of it. Notice the last phrase of verse 1. And there was no water for the people to drink. Now, look in your outline. God sent two tests to Israel in chapter 17. And he sends the same kind of tests to us to make us stronger, to build us. Notice. A, he sent a test of inward trust in God when they had no water, okay? They're struggling, they, they, they need water, but God knows they need water. And so are they going to trust the Lord or are they going to complain and blame somebody? Well, notice verse two. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. Now, I want you to notice, if you would, if you, you take just a minute, now you don't have to turn there, but in, in Exodus 14, 12, the Egyptians are, are coming after them, and they see them, and they turn to Moses and say, you just brought us out here to kill us. Test of the external. And they failed. They turned to Moses and said, why did you bring us here? They never turned to the Lord and said, Lord, will you help us? Test number one, they failed. Notice test number two, chapter 15, verse 24. Turn with, if you would, there. Chapter 15, verse 24. Look, if you would, in verse 23. 
And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And verse number 24, and the people murmured against Moses and said, what shall we drink? So every time they came to a test, inward or outward, they blamed Moses. They blamed God. It was not their fault. They did not pass the test. When you face a test, the first thing that you do is you get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm in trouble. I don't have water. Would you show me what to do? Would you help me, Lord? Lord, I'm in trouble. Uh, the Egyptians are coming after us. What do I do? Lord, my, my eyes are upon you. I wait on you. Lord, but they're right here. But not. Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. This is your fault. That 14, 15, Moses, what's your problem? Notice, if you would, in number one, this is 1A1. One, one, uh, they ran out of water and began to chide Moses. Look at the Hebrew word for chide. It's to strive. It's to contend with. It's to debate. It's to argue with. It's to blame. It's to, it's to say, look, this is your fault. They're contending with Moses. Now notice, they murmured about him in verse 2 and 3. Look, notice what it says in verse number 3. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses. It never says they said, Lord, would you help us? Every time we turn to somebody else and blame somebody else, well, we don't have any money. Why aren't you out working harder? Why did you spend so much? Rather than, Lord, this is our concern. Lord, here's the problem. Well, the doctor didn't diagnose it right now. I'm in real hard trouble because uh, the cancer's progressed. And, 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 you know, Lord, I know you didn't make this doctor make a mistake, but Lord, could you be using it? Well, the Lord uses everything to make us stronger. Or you can blame the doctor. It's time for we as Christians to mature and pass the tests that come our way. The inward test, they failed. It was a test that they looked at. They weren't in jeopardy of being beaten or, or kicked or, 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 or death. Uh, they were facing no water. Now, of course, that can kill you, but the Lord knows that. Look, if you would, in the outline, two they even got to the point of considering stoning Moses. Look at verse 4. And Moses cried unto the Lord saying, What shall I do unto these people? For they be almost ready to stone me. This is the same people that watched him ten times do miracles in front of Pharaoh. In the eleventh time they watched him wash up on shore as they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. What it's going to take for them to pass the test and say, Lord, our eyes upon you, we're going to wait on you. They were ready to take stones and kill Moses because God had used him to bring them to the promised land. Notice if you would, three, they failed in their test sent from God. And folks, you and I can fail tests too. Um, somebody says something about us or somebody says something to us and it hurts our feelings. And what is our response? It's a test. 
uh, money gets spent the wrong way in our house or we don't get some money we thought was coming our way and we, we begin to fret a little bit and then we begin to look and see whose fault it is and be careful, pass the test. Pass the test. Um, uh, the, the doctor, uh, we go to the doctor about something and it gives us the wrong medicine. Uh, my first wife was on 13 different medicines. She was in the hospital multiple times because this doctor gave her this and this doctor gave her that and they didn't work together and they put her in a hospital. It was very frustrating. The last 77 days of her life, she saw 40 different doctors. And I don't know how many nurses. And I would sit there with her and by that time I learned the name of most of the medicines. And one doctor prescribed this and I say, well, doctor, doesn't that work against this? What do you know? Well, I know that's my wife. I'm just trying to protect her. Come to find out. The next doctor said, yeah, you're right. That's why we shouldn't have given it to her. So trying to handle those things graciously and represent Christ was one of the hardest things I had to do because my sweet wife is dying and this doctor is not doing the right thing because he's busy. He's got 13 patients on his list and my wife is number six and he's got to get going and he prescribed something without looking at the chart. And you know, there were a few times whenever in my Christian love, I wanted to wring his neck. In Christian love, of course. But that was tough. And I said, Lord, how do I handle this? Lord, I want to handle it right. And so my wife is dying and a doctor comes up to me and says, I don't know what your wife, I don't know what she's got, but she's concerned about the doctors and nurses and she's dying. I've never seen a woman like this. I said, well, it's the Lord. Yeah. yeah. She was caring for them while they weren't necessarily caring for her properly. It's really hard sometimes to do what's right when other people don't. But that's our role as Christians. Do you pass the test? Notice this. <clears throat> Look at the next one. Be in the outline. God then allowed an outward enemy to attack Israel. Amalek was the grandson of Esau, number one. Now keep in mind, Esau, he is a type of the flesh. Israel always battled with Amalek like we always battle with the flesh. So Amalek is, is, a, is an example of the flesh. They're always there. They, uh, they attacked Israel from the rear and, and God was always against them. And, and uh, oh, do you remember what Saul's duty was? Was to destroy all the Amalekites for what they did to the elderly and the sick and the children. He got tired of it and Saul didn't. He disobeyed and he lost the kingdom. He failed the test. Notice if you would, not only that, uh, Roman numeral uh, one, uh, excuse number two, excuse me, Roman numeral one, B2. Israel fought with Amalek and won. They realized they needed help to defeat Amalek. Look in verse number 11. Uh, verse eight, then came Amalek and fought with Israel. Notice verse 11. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. 
And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So Israel's up there and he's holding the rod of God and he's holding his arms up. While he's holding his arms up, the children of Israel are winning. They're destroying Amalek. And then he gets tired and his arms start going down. They start to lose. So notice what happens. Verse 12, and Moses' hands were heavy, but they took a stone and put it under him and he sat there on an Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So he goes over, finally, he's just his tired, hands are so tired, I mean, you just can't hold them up. How many have ever tried to take something of two or three pounds and hold it up and just keep it there? Over a period of time, your hands go like this. <clears throat> I went to a, a, uh, a gym well, they said, we want to assess you. I said, okay. So they said, okay, you go over and sit against that wall. Sit against the wall like that. You know, sit your back against the wall with air under your bottom all the way to the ground. Just sit there and see how long your legs can hold you up. And so I said, well, you know, I got up there and I sat down there. I said, well, I'm going to do this for an hour or two. Show them it can be done. In about 30 seconds, my legs start going like this. I'm saying, oh! And he's got there with a the watch under no stress, no pressure at all. And I'm trying my best to, to do good at it. And I realized that there are just some times when you need help. So Moses is sitting there. He's holding up his arms. His arm's getting heavy. They sit him down, put a rock underneath each arm. But even his hands get heavy holding that rod up. So Aaron and her hold it up. And they sit there and help him. So Amalek, the flesh is defeated whenever Aaron and her helped Moses. And you know what we have today to help us is not Aaron and her. Notice the outline. Roman numeral one, B2. Israel fought with Amalek and won. They realized they needed help to defeat Amalek, the flesh. Aaron and her were their helpers. The Holy Spirit is our help. So we learn, Lord, I can't do certain things. I'm not strong enough to say no to this temptation, but Lord, you can help me. You know, maybe some of us, we have a temptation of, of spending money. And we say, Lord, help me. I'll tell you how I have over the years defeated the temptation to spend money. I'm just like everybody else. I like to spend money. Um, we'd go out to, if we go out to uh, lunch with the guys uh, Brandon and Scott, now they're not in here. We got out to lunch, and, and I, I'd, I'd say, hey, you guys want to go out to lunch? Maybe it's a, 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 a Wednesday or a Thursday or Friday. And they say, yeah, let's go out to lunch. I say, hey, I'm buying. Uh, let, let's go. Because, you know, I just wanted to be good to the guys. And so by the end of the week, I had no money left. So you know what I started doing? Taking all my money out. Let my wallet be empty. And so... I'd say, you know, I, I'll buy, I, I don't know how many money. Now, I had a credit card, but I didn't want to spend a credit card. It's easy to, it was easy to spend those green things. But if I didn't have any, it just helped me. And so for many years, matter of fact, I have about, I don't know, maybe a hundred and something dollars in my wallet. You know where it came from? 70th birthday gifts. I said, I've never had that. I'm going to put that in my wallet. And I put that in that wallet. There's a 20. 
I'm going to leave. That, that, uh, that's probably going to stay there for two years or three, hopefully. So I won't spend it because I've never had it. And I, I really like feeling like I got money. But the temptation to spend or the temptation to eat. Now, I love Bluebell ice cream, Rocky Road in specific. And so you can ask my wife, you can ask anybody who knows me, if I'm going to go into half a gallon of ice cream and I'm going to get a bowl, I get a big bowl, and I put a bunch of ice cream in there, and I'll eat five or six or seven scoops, and I just enjoy it. And then, you know, I look on the scales, and I said, I shouldn't have done that. Anybody here ever done that? And so temptation gets us all. Let's now put it over to... I, I want to tell that guy what I think. He didn't do me right. Today I was driving, and there was a lady just pulled right in front of me and looked at me and drove right by me. You know what? I said, Lord, bless her with a flat tire or two of them. No, I didn't say that. I, I tried to say, Lord, help me to have the right attitude. I see what she's doing. I don't know why she did that to me, Lord. I am sorry. Test number 13 for that day. Are you going to pass people or not? And so sometimes I'm just saying to all of us, uh, there were two tests in the chapter 17. One was uh, an inward test. It's about how you're going uh, to deal with this, this water thing. It's not an attack on you. It's something you need, but you don't have. And then Amalek come, you have no choice. You got to fight or die. And so you'll notice if you would, they passed the second test, but failed the first test. So notice if you would in the outline, uh, the Holy Spirit is our help in two. Look at C. Moses built an altar to worship and thank the Lord for the victory. Look at Exodus 17, 15. You'll notice Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, which is the Lord is our banner. The Lord is our victory. It's like you're putting up a banner and say, God did it. So he's thanking the Lord. He's rejoicing in the Lord. And, and, and he puts up an altar so he wouldn't forget. But Moses did that. Children of Israel didn't do it. They forgot regularly. How many of you have ever read through the Old Testament and thought the Israelites were the dumbest people on earth? Anybody ever thought of that? You know what I'm talking about? You just look at it and say, what is wrong with them? In four chapters, they failed four tests, all of them the same thing. No water twice. Does anybody know why Moses didn't get to go into the promised land? Because they put so much pressure on Moses that he finally got angry. The meekest man on earth. So that tells me if he was the meekest man on earth, and I'm going to show you that in a minute, that the children of Israel got him angry and it cost him his greatest desire to go into the promised land. The Lord let him see it, but he didn't let him go into it. He said, because you failed me at this time when I needed you. And so tonight, you and I learn regularly we're going to have tests. What to say, what not to say, what to think. Inwardly, what not to think. How to take care of our own responsibility. How to be good to somebody that's not good to us. Um, I, I, I told you that a lady in her church came up and told me a few weeks ago, she's a pastor, I've never been so humiliated, I've never been so corrected or humbled in my life. 
was a lady going through the line, getting some food. She was taking too long, so I honked at her and honked at her and said, hey, hurry up. There's other people in line. And um, then I got up the line. I said, I want, I want this, this, and this. And, and uh, so how much is it? They said, it's nothing. And she said, what do you mean it's nothing? She said, the lady that just drove off paid for your meal, whatever it was, and said, may the Lord bless you. She said, I wanted to hunt her down and tell, tell her I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? All of us can pass or fail, but the Lord is the one that suffers when we fail. Notice, if you would, in the outline, Roman numeral 2, Moses displayed his humility as well as his wisdom in chapter 18. Chapter 17, uh, they passed the first test. They failed one test. And notice chapter 18. Now Moses displays wisdom. Keep in mind, Moses is leading one of the largest groups of people uh, as a, on earth at the time. And you'll notice verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1, when Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that Moses had done, all that God had done for Moses and for the Israel, his people, that the Lord had said brought him out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, his wife, after he had sent her back. So Moses had to send his wife back because apparently the children, it was dangerous for her with the children of Israel. And they threatened to stone him. His children and his wife, so he sent back. Notice, if you would, in verse number 3, and her two sons, in verse number 5, and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses in the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee and thy wife and her two sons with thee. And Moses went out to meet them. And notice what happens. His father-in-law, and he did obeisance and kissed him. And they asked each other their welfare. Moses didn't have to humble himself to his father-in-law, but he does. Notice in the outline, A, Moses was always respectful of those over him. Even though he was the most powerful man on earth at that time, he had brought down fire from heaven. He had brought frogs out of the, uh, the, sea, out of the river. He had crossed the Red Sea. There was no one that had the respect or the power with God that Moses did on face of the earth. And yet when his father-in-law comes, he humbles himself. With respect. Notice. He was the most humble. And had no jealousy. In his heart. Take your Bible and turn to Numbers 11. I want you to see this verse. Numbers 11. Look with me if you would. Let's, let's go to Numbers 12. We'll just skip over. Go to Numbers 12 verse 3. Now the man Moses. Was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth, the meekest, most humble man on the face of the earth, and yet the man that had the most power with God. So he was somebody, but it didn't get to his head. He let himself be humble, even though he was the most powerful man there was. Notice, if you would, he was the most humble and had no jealousy. In his heart. He was not jealous of other people. Uh, notice if you would. In chapter 11 verse number 28. And Joshua the son of Nun. The servant of Moses. One of his young men. 
answered and said, My Lord, forbid them. There were people in camp that were prophesying about the Lord. In other words, the Holy Spirit had filled them, and they were telling things that the Lord was going to do in the future. And Joshua said, Moses, stop them. They're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be doing that, not them. Verse 29, Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Are you jealous for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses said, I wish everybody had God's spirit upon them like God's put it upon me. I don't want to be the only one. He wasn't jealous at all. He was very humble. Well, that's what we want to be like. The kind of Christian that wants everybody to succeed, that wants everybody to be blessed, even if it's at my own expense, I want God to be good to people. That's why God used Moses. Now notice if you would in the outline. B, Jethro gained a great respect and belief in God because of Moses. If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter number 18 and look with me if you would at verse number 10. Verse 9, And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which God had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. Notice verse 11. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. This is because his son-in-law was so blessed of God that he saw him and said, now I know. I see that God's spirit is upon you. Now keep that in mind. His father-in-law comes and says, I see that God has blessed you and that now I know your God is the God of gods. And so he watches, watches Moses go out to do his work the next day. And notice if you would in verse number 13. And oh, wait, verse 12. And Jethro and Moses' father-in-law took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. So Jethro begins to worship the Lord. He is saved at this point in time, it looks like. Now, now follow with me the next day, verse 14. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? He looks at Moses. Now look at verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. So Moses would sit down. And remember, there's 600,000 people. And if they had an issue, they'd all go to Moses and stand in line. Moses, my neighbor cheated me, moved the, the, the cornerstone, and now they get more land. What should I do? And Moses would give them an answer, what God would say. So they all came to Moses all day long, morning till evening. And Jethro says, Moses, what are you doing? He said, you're going to wear away. You're killing the people. Look how long the line is. They all didn't get to you today. Now notice in verse 14, and when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this that thou doest to the people? He's saying, you're, you're putting the people in a bad spot. Now Moses could have said, hey, what do you know? God's filled me with his spirit, not you. But that's not Moses. He's the meekest man on earth. He listens. Watch. Why sittest thou thyself alone, 
almost accusing him of being prideful. I don't think that's what he was doing, but he's saying, you're the only one judging. And all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening, waiting for your words. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, because the people come unto me to inquire of God. They have a trust in me and they don't seem to be able to talk to the Lord, so I want to help them. So they come to me and ask about what does God want them to do in this circumstance, in that circumstance. Notice, verse 16, when they have a matter, they come unto me and I judge between one and the other. And I do make them know the statutes of God's and his laws. I remember the word of God and I tell it to them. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. Now, all of a sudden, a normal fleshly man would raise the hair on the back of his head and say, you can't tell me that. And it happens between husbands and wives. You can't tell me that. I got a good job. My job's as good as yours. You can't tell me that. One brother to another brother. One sister to another sister. One church member to another church member. One church member to somebody at work. Somebody at work to a church member. You can't tell me that. Well, notice, verse 18, thou wilt surely wear away. It's going to kill you, Moses, both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice, and I will give thee counsel. And God shall be with thee. This is a guy that just got saved. Notice what he says. That thou may bring us the causes unto God. He's a very wise man. And when he gets saved, God uses his wisdom to help Moses. Verse 20, thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of 50 and rulers of 10. Let them judge the people at all seasons and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee. You know what he just laid out here? Our judicial system. He said, look, you got a circuit court judge. You have a, you have a state court judge. You have a Supreme Court judge. Um, and as you go up the ladder, you have an issue that this one can't settle. You go up the next one. And from that day on, now you've got the Sanhedrin court. You've got all kinds of things that are happening. And it's Jethro's ideas. Notice what happened. Verse 24. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. That's why Moses God used. He always listened. The most powerful man on earth listened. Folks, none of us in this room know everything. We need help. We need the Holy Spirit and we need not wise people around us. Notice if you would, look in the outline. One, B1, Moses was settling disagreements between people all day long. Everyone was being worn down. We read that. Two, Jethro had a great plan to solve the problem. Three, he shared it with Moses and it is still in use today. 
Moses listened and followed his father-in-law's advice. Number five, when Moses implemented Jethro's plan, it was better for everyone. When we listen to godly counsel, it makes a difference. God blesses our obedience. And Moses is a great example. Tonight, do you and I listen to Proverbs 16? Safety in the multitude of counselors. God wants you and I to surround ourselves with godly friends. People that know the scriptures. Remember, listen to this. Thou shalt provide out of all the able men such as fear God. The number one requirement is they have a respect for God and they don't want to disappoint the Lord. That's the number one requirement requirement for anybody to make a decision. What does the Lord want me to do? What does the Lord want me to say? Every father, every mother, every brother, sister, what does the Lord want me to do? Notice the next thing. Men of truth. Men that tell the truth. Their word is their bond. They're going to do the right thing no matter what. Three, hating covetousness. Uh, hey, judge, if I give you uh, $500, could you give me a favorable judgment? It's called bribery. Godly men don't take bribes. Wouldn't even consider it. You can't buy truth. And you can't sell truth. So the idea is all of us in this room learn to say, Lord, give me godly people that I can ask and get godly counsel. Now, tonight, could I ask you a question? Are you passing your tests? Did you pass the test today? If you didn't, two things to do. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And tomorrow, give me wisdom and courage. Dear Holy Spirit, help me to pass my tests. All of us in this room, pass your tests so God can bless you. Let's bow our heads for a prayer tonight. I want to ask the penis to come and just play a verse of invitation hymn. Maybe you're facing a test. Could I encourage you to come to this altar and say, Lord, could I talk to you for a minute? Whatever the need is. And when you're finished, just a moment, I encourage you to take a few minutes and let's pray over the prayer list. There's some people that have great needs on the prayer list. We're here tonight. This is prayer meeting. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed as the pianist plays. If you need to come tonight, maybe the Lord has given you a test and you want to pass it. Maybe you need some wise counsel. You're facing some tough decisions. Whatever the need might be. Just a moment. We'll play one more verse. If you need to Take a few minutes and talk. Lord, I encourage you to do it. When you've finished praying, slip to the lobby tonight and fellowship one with another. Let's rejoice in Ray Finnefrock being finished with his cancer treatment to this point. Let's rejoice in God's goodness to us. Thank you for coming tonight. Let's go to prayer.